Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What can I say? It was a cold day. Let me just say it was quite a cold Cold day. day. Um, Do you want me to show you something? Please. This is what I've. This is what I've. Become. Oh, not your boobs! I've seen them. Oh, did you make that? I did it's sourdough? It took me two days to. Wow, was it worth it? No, it was fucked. It's all. <laughs> Don't ever eat it. I've become that person. Jesus, no, it is not worth it. Apparently, just making. Um, easy bread is better, but I've gone the sourdough route, haven't I? Yeah, and you've got to do the things and the rest and the thing and the it, mother it and the father and the brother and the, the sister. Starter. You've got to feed the starter every week. Oh. It's just – and the funny thing is I put it on my day of chores that I have. My, like I've got to feed the goldfish. I've got to give Bev her medicine. She gets it once a week. The goldfish get fed once a week and so does Hank, son of Frank, the yeah. starter that Chris Bath gave me. Right. <laughs> wow, I just um I don't know. I've just got another one in the oven and I'm tweaking this one oh. because I made I didn't realize that the recipe ingredients it was so much like obviously it's for a family. <laughs> I didn't adjust oh, it. Okay. So, yeah. do you want some bread come over? Sure. <laughs> Should we just start at the front door? We already have. Oh. Hi, welcome to Chickstery. If you've just joined us, this is the podcast, not about bread, but about chicks in history. Yeah, making bread. Chicks in history who have made bread. Hey, we should do that next week. Chicks, chicks in, food. in food. It's a great idea. Okay. Chicks in food. All right. It's chicks in food idea. for next week. But this week we're doing chicks in literature. Chicks in lit. Chick chicks lit. in lit. Chick lit. Chick but lit. before we. Chicklet. Never gets old. Before we go there, though, Hang let's on. chat before about some things. Before we go there, my alarm just went off. I've just got to take the lid off my bread. Oh, I'll be back. All right. I'll be back. Still get old. This episode brought to you by bread. <laughs> This, this loaf is going to be a lot better. I'm going to set 30 minutes and then I'll pull it out and it's going to be perfect, this one. Okay, good. Uh, so how was Sydney? Oh, how was it like getting on a plane and flying to the other it, state? It was weird. I felt like I was getting in trouble all the time. Yeah. And because I wasn't really allowed to do anything, I had to get, you know, um, get tested before I went, get tested when I got there, detested before I came home, get tested when I got home and I was only allowed Mm. to go to work. I had to kind of watch people having a good time. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But it was nice. I got to go and eat in a restaurant. I went to a restaurant, a sushi train, and it was empty. So I went and ate in there. Because I thought, if there's no one else in there, then I'm not going near anyone. Okay. I did it and it was amazing. <laughs> it was just amazing to have food not made by you or ordered by you that you have to throw out, you know, into the bin. Like you, someone was cleaning my plate. Someone was cleaning water. 
100%. I think it was last week I, I reached the end of my tether, my lockdown tether, yeah. and it was sort of I think it was like dinner time or something and I thought if I have to think about what I'm going to put in my mouth yeah. one more time to make it, to put it in your mouth. that I have to make and then clean up again yeah. Yeah. Three times a day I've had to yeah. do that for myself for the last 276,000 days. Do you know what it's being like? A mother. I imagine that was is what being a mother is like. Can you imagine having to think of what no. to feed another human every single day? I have a newfound respect for the women who've decided to do that with their lives. Yeah. Um, and I also have a newfound respect for the decision that I've made not to. Yes. <laughs> Just like Chelsea Handler when she's like, never have I been more convinced that this decision to never have children was a good one during lockdown. Yeah, I mean, God, I really do feel for the parents, the mothers clearly because they're doing most of the work, Um, but having to already have a hard go at life being a mother, but then a pandemic happens. Jeez. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I've just gone, I've gone rogue. I had for lunch today, I had a cold sausage with tomato sauce. I had <laughs> white bread with butter on it oh, and yum. some pate and um, biscuits. And that was my lunch. Yum. That's a good lunch. Was it um, you that I used to talk about, you know, when you eat like a whole packet of like burgerings or cheese, cheesy cheese balls and your mouth Gets burnt. burnt. Yeah. Well, I, because, you know, I have an eating disorder, which is called binge eating disorder, which is awful because unlike bulimia, you don't get rid of anything. Um, not saying that that is better. Yeah. But so it stays in your body. And and when I was stressed, one of my things when I'm stressed, like I don't even realise I'm doing it, all of a sudden I'm shoved, I could just, I catch myself halfway. Like I'll get halfway through a meal, halfway through whatever the the binge food is, and I'll mm. wake up and go, oh, my God, look, yeah. look at yourself. Yeah, Cheese yeah. and bacon balls used to be my trigger, like my binge food, yes. which I've tried really hard to get off them. And the reason I tried really hard because one day I got, I went, sat in the car, I got the chips, I got, you know, I started to do the thing because I was really stressed and I'm like, yeah. and I, at no point did I not have my mouth full of cheese balls. Yes. Yeah. So as I'm swallowing, more are going in. And so at, at, after a while I realised my ma- I've burnt my mouth. Like mm. all the chemicals in that food sitting with my saliva in my mouth on my skin. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not, I've done that too. Not having a break. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? I do that with burger rings. I'll, do, I'll smash oh. a whole packet of burger rings like in the car without even leaving the car spot of the service station some days. <laughs> easy, easy, easy. Binge eating is such a thing. It's, it's such a, a a satisfying, you know, because oh, yeah. you get this rush immediately, blood sugar rush and um, what serotonin thing, oxytocin and all of the stuff, you know, happens. It tastes so incredible. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. it. it it's it's amazing what is happening psychologically with binge yeah. eating, but those foods, Jesus Christ, they are just chemicals, aren't they? they? Fuck you they, up! They fuck will you fuck up! Fuck you up! No wonder people use Coca Cola for their toilets to clean them out. I did. I bought some whatever it is, Drano, 
and a, a yeah. bottle of Coke when yeah. I first moved into this place because the bath um, sinkhole was having a bit of a clog. I went, oh, well, I know what's going to unclog this, and it did. Mm-hmm. I feel like a, a Coke. Coke and- I feel like a Coke okay. now. What have you been watching, reading, listening to? Oh, Succession is about is just out again today, season three. So I'm really excited about oh, wow. starting that. Cool. But it's a um, Apple, and it's only coming out every week. Oh, so I might, fuck. I might, back, you know, load them up. Yeah. Um, I've been watching Wentworth again. Not again. That's it's in its last season. So that's exciting. And oh. You know what I've started watching? Absolutely loving it. Didn't get on the train when it's when it went out the first time. Yeah. Um, good, good girls. It's on Netflix. Anna Henricks, um, from Mad Men, and I don't know who the, there's a, go, a woman from um, Parks and Recreation. Um, it's about three mums who are all broke and for all different reasons need to make money and. They end up robbing their local supermarket where one of them works mm-hmm. um, and it all goes a bit pear-shaped. But it's a complete series and it's really, really good. Is it It's funny, a comedy? Mm, it's a dramedy, yeah. Yeah, okay. I highly recommend it. It's not bad. It's three main characters of women, mm. great actresses, and it, it's well-written. So Nice. I've been watching um, I Need Something Light because I've been watching Made. Oh, right. I haven't started that yet. I'm almost finished. Last, I've got one ep, one ep to go. And I it's, was going to ask it. I thought it was a movie. It's an ep, It's a season. I thought it was it? a movie too, but it's it a series. Like a There's 10 episodes. It's long. Right. And it's so hard to watch, so, so um, sad. And I just had anxiety. I still, I feel like I've got residual anxiety from watching it last night because it's you know the classic tale of of a of a of this single mum who is trying to flee a domestic abuse situation yeah that's heavy and trying to work her way through the system yeah going to different things and they're like well do you have a thing do you have a a job and she's like no I don't have a job and they're like well you can't get housing and you need a job to get housing and she's like but I need housing to be able to go and get a job and I need so everything just affects everything so she's basically in this clusterfuck of how does she get out of it and that's awful throughout it she she picks up these various jobs cleaning she becomes a maid and and I love also that that maid m-a-i-d and m-a-d-e both suit this show oh, because yeah. it really shows how she makes herself basically but yeah. she's yeah and so the whole time she's going in and earning money like doing these jobs and there's a in some scenes there's a clicker of her money of how much money she's got in the bank and sometimes it's like 25 dollars mm-hmm. and then she'll go to the put petrol in her car and it goes tick six dollars 75 and then she's got this kid that she's got to feed and then so she looks at what she can feed and she goes to the supermarket and she picks up something and it's like because it's cost you know it's just yeah stressful stressful to watch but they've done that obviously oh yeah it's very very good i wonder if that will make a big difference in the states because the states is is notorious for not looking after their underprivileged or um socioeconomic low lower socioeconomic mm, people mm. or they're vulnerable or they're um you know sick yeah um i wonder if people watch that and go maybe we need to change that it really does 
Yeah, it, it can really happen to anyone. You. Yeah, it shows you what can happen. How how someone can just become homeless overnight because they want to f- need oh. to flee a domestic yeah. um, violence situation. And the interesting thing is that he doesn't hit her. It's it's coercive oh. control. So. Yeah. Even that in itself, her trying to prove that, prove um, that. Yeah. you know, and the no social workers are like, oh, so he didn't hit you. Mm. Oh, so you didn't tell the police. And she's mm. like, yeah, but I don't, he doesn't let me, like I, I don't have a bank account. He's never yeah. let me control my money. Oh, God, they're so behind, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, watch it. It's really, really, really good. It'll, you'll ball your eyes out. Um, Andy McDowell plays the real mother of the daughter so the yes, daughter in it is her real yeah. daughter she, she's good that actress she's she, they're amazing she together they're a salinger story oh right which is i that haven't who watched it? yet but yeah. yeah that was kind um, of her yeah very good and and together they're just they're amazing their relationship is so complicated and she's the mother has bipolar and it's just very oh. um well, we'll sad we've just um announced our government's announced a fleeing assistance support yeah. payment oh good for women in this country fleeing oh, it's a one-off support payment yeah. it's five thousand dollars and you get i think fifteen hundred in cash and the rest of it goes towards schooling or yeah. whatever yeah. you know your yeah. your situation needs but already the men have started coming out like what if she's lying? I bet she's lying, you know, just to get the money and, yeah, you know. Um, what about men? What about – there was a lot of that. What about men? Mm. Yeah, and it's it's another another reason the show is hard to watch is because we're so conditioned with this toxic masculinity, masculinity and the patriarch that you mm. – I caught myself feeling sorry for him, the, the, yeah. the, the dad. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. like – He's not that bad. Like, I mean, he's yeah. trying. He's going to meetings. Yeah. He's yeah. trying to get his life back together. Yeah. She's just being really nasty to him. Like, yeah. it would be so much easier if she just went back with him because then she would, mm-hmm. you know, but she just refuses, you know, and the shit she puts up with by saying, I, I'm not coming back to you. Like, yeah. I will rather sleep on the street than come back to you. Yeah, wow. There's I mean, part of you that, that wa- you watch something. it, yeah, and you think, yeah, you think. Well, that oh. was remember that um art- that um doco we watched. Look what you made me do. See what you made me do. Yeah, and it talked about. And remember, we we watched the guys like in the third episode. They had the men mm-hmm. who were doing the work, and we're just so willing to forgive. we because that's you know what we do, mm-hmm. not as women as people, um, but. That Hannah Clark, the one in Brisbane whose yeah. um, husband set her and her three children on fire and then stabbed himself to death, mm. he had just the night before been on the phone to her crying and she got off the phone and the mother had, was telling the story how she said, Hannah said to me, you know, should I just let him see, you know, should I just go back, should I just let him over? Yeah. You know, am I being an awful person? Yes. Like, you know, no, you're not. He's a fucking psychopath and mm. proved mm. it 12 hours later. 
Exactly. Yeah. Oh. I was watching a TikTok last night about a, a woman. I didn't see her face because I until I went onto her profile and had a look at her other videos, but she was just doing a video walking around her house and she said this is what weaponized manipulation um, looks like. Mm. And people in the comments, because the house was a fucking mess, like there were dolls everywhere, there was makeup on the ground, the bath, the sink um, had all water still in it. Um, you know, like it was a proper, like a, a mess of a house and people in the comments were like, oh, what does that mean? Weaponized manipulation. Um, or was it weaponized insubordinate? So something like that. Mm -hmm. And she said, it's when you ask your partner to do something and they do it so badly that you never asked them to do it again. She said, I asked right. him to look after the four-year-old while I was putting the other two children to bed. And he did. He was so pissed off that I asked him to do that, that what he did was let her absolutely wreck the joint. Right. So I won't ever ask him to do that again. And, to, and then when you go through that, through all the, because she, that was actually her first TikTok. So when, once you go through the story, she'd left him. Right. And um, all these people were like, because in the very first video, I almost typed it, leave him. Uh-huh. And yeah. all these yeah. people saying, you know, it's not that easy. You have to make sure you have 100% custody, mm-hmm. that you have financials, you know, before you leave them or they get visitation rights and that happens anyway. The child's yeah. then living on the weekend in that, yes, you yeah, know, or they, yeah. they, they'll do something to the child or, yeah. so you have to make sure you get your ducks in a row. And I, I mean, I shouldn't say it, but I'm like, just stop fucking these men. Mm. Stop marrying these fucking men. I'm so angry with us as women who have this ability to forgive and empathize mm-hmm. and see the good in these not inherently bad men learn bad behaviour in these men who it is so entrenched in them. It's a lifetime of programming that you see a light, a tiny sliver of light and you think, you see, they're they're a good person. They do have goodness in them. Mm, mm. And, yeah, they do. But 99% of the time they're a complete cunt. Yeah. And you knew it when you started with them and you thought you could probably deal with it. We need to start saying to women, younger women especially, because obviously that's when it starts, mm. stop fucking them. Yeah. Stop yeah. having babies with them. Stop marrying them. Exactly. Exactly. And I know that's a really harsh feminazi thing to say. No, but well said. Because we've feel. All, I've been there. We've all been there where we just, you, you're right, you see a tiny sliver of hope and you yep. hang on to the hope and the potential of what you think that person will become and be. And it's like, what it, you know. And they just disappoint you. They just the constantly they disappoint, just you. disappoint you. And then and you, you feel know, like an we idiot. We are so lucky to not have children with those men. Oh my we god! We could have children with those men. I, I know, I know. And they would still now be in our lives. Yes, we yes. don't have to have anything to do with them. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm. I'm. I stand by all the decisions I made. Me too. <laughs> about god, I'm about those stupid men and those relationships. 
Yeah, and that and that, just that we're out of them now and we don't have to ever see those men ever again. I mean, unless you happen to actually run into them in the street. You don't have to – you choose to never see these people ever again. Mm. Um, my advice to all the women listening, stop fucking him. Leave now. If you fall pregnant and, you, and he's even in any way a dickhead, have an abortion. Go and find a good man to have a baby with. Or have a baby with yourself. That's it. Yeah. Have a baby. We can do that now. We you can. want to be a mum, you can be a mum. We will we need to start supporting women to be their own parents, their own family. And we need to start really encouraging that and saying there is financial freedom in that. You will make money. You still will have, can have a career if that's what you want or you can be a stay-at-home mum. We need to, you know, continue support financially supporting these women yeah. and kill all the men. hundred. <laughs> hundred. I'm not even joking. Who <laughs> needs them anyway? We've got science now. We don't now. Yeah. So anyway, this week, this week, um, if you're still all listening, hello, thank you for staying with us. Women in literature this week. Yeah. I've got a chicken history for you. Good. I've got a chicken the now, but let me tell you a little bit about literature first and Please women. Please do. Mm, the tradition of women writing has been much ignored due to the inferior positions women have held in male-dominated societies. <laughs> it is still not unheard of to see literature classes or anthologies in which women are greatly outnumbered by mm. male writers or even entirely absent. Before the introduction of women's literary history colleges into academia, women of themselves were often the only champions of themselves, mm. their contemporaries and their predecessors. Mary Wollstonecraft's A Vindication of the Rights of Women, which mm. was written in 1792, is a landmark treatise that paved the way for many women after her to not only publish their works but also to engage in the overall critical discourse surrounding the issue of women in literature. Interesting Sec that you bring her up. Oh. Sec the second wave of feminism, um, which was in the 70s and 80s, sparked a resurgence in forging a place for the works of women. Colleges began offering courses in women's history mm. and literature. Mm. Presses were found that dedicated themselves to publishing lost or ignored works by women. Oh, wow. In recent years, a greater emphasis on intersectionality has encouraged exploration into the relationship between race, gender, religion and class to even further prove the importance of the acknowledgement of the place of marginalised groups in literature. Writers like Toni Morrison, Adrian Rich and Margaret Atwood, mm -hmm. who's work exemplify the need for acknowledgement and activism, prove that there is a place for this dialogue and that a room of one's own benefits, not only women but the literary tradition as a whole. Exactly. I loved that. There was a really good little um, thing that I found about literature and it's so true. I mean we um, live in a world where women still use their initials to, yeah. pub, to publish, to be an author, J.K. Rowling Harry is our biggest, the mm -hmm. biggest mm -hmm. female writer in the world ever. Yeah. And she could not get published with her own name. 
Yes, I know. It's an absolute travesty. Yeah, it really is. Mm. It's mostly, and the more I read about that, the more, um, you know, I was disheartened because the majority of people that read women are women. Mm -hmm. And that's changing, but it's still highly, you, you women write for women and women read. Yeah. Women. So my chick in the now mm. this week is mm-hmm. a woman called Amanda Gorman. Okay. Have you not heard of Amanda Gorman? No. I reckon you do know her. Okay. Hmm. Mm. She is the youngest inaugural poet in US history. Whoa. As well as an award-winning writer and come loud graduate of Harvard University. Oh wow. What is come loud? I don't know. Come is that loud? like just um, alumni? Like maybe alumni that's been awarded stuff, like gotten the top of their class. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Hey Siri, what does "come loud" mean? It's, it's a distinction with reference to college degrees. Oh, there you go. Okay, good guess. Close. I was close. I was even not even close. I was spot on. Yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, she went to Harvard and she studied sociology. She has written for the New York Times and has three books forthcoming with Random, um, sorry, Penguin Random House. Mm-hmm. Born and raised in Los Angeles, she began writing at only a few years of age. Now her words have won her invitations to the Obama White House mm-hmm. and to perform for Lin Manuel Miranda. Al Gore, Secretary Hillary Clinton, Malala Yousafzai, and others. Amanda has performed multiple commissioned poems for CBS, um, you know, the CBS show This Morning, Mm -hmm. and she has spoken at events and venues across the country, including the Library of Congress and Lincoln Centre. She has received a genius grant from OZY Media as well as recognition from Scholastic Incorporated, Young Arts and Glamour Magazine College Women of the Year Awards and the Webby Awards. Joyce! She has written for the New York Times newsletter The Edit and penned the manifesto for Nike's 2020 Black History Month campaign. Oh, wow. In 2017, Amanda Gorman was appointed the first ever National Youth Poet Laureate by Urban Wood, a program that supports Youth Poets Laureate in more than 60 cities, regions and states nationally. She is the recipient of the Poets and Writers Barnes & Noble Writers for Writers Award and is the youngest board member of 826 National, the largest youth writing network in the United States. So what a chick. I've never heard of her and I cannot wait. She's amazing. Like she does the spoken word. I love that. I'm sure you've seen her. As soon as you see her and hear her, you'll go, oh, I've seen TikToks of that. Okay. Let me just Google her right now. Ah, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't she beautiful? Yeah. She's She's amazing. 1998. Oh. 1998, amazing. Like what an achiever. Amazing. And she's got three so books coming, did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. She certainly does. Oh, Amanda so. Gorman, clap, clap, clappity clap. My chicken, the history books mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. a lot of people would actually know, I think, um, who I'm going to do. And it's Is funny it Mary that you, Wollstonecraft? Mm, it's her daughter, actually. Oh, what's her name? Well, her name's Mary Shelley. She oh, wrote a very, she wrote- very famous 
Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. She did. So, yeah. So Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin was born on the 30th of August, 1797. 1797. Can I just say, we do a lot of women born around there. Around then, yeah. I've no, I started noticing it probably a couple of those women ago, like maybe right. three or four ago. I was like, it's a busy yeah. time. Well, yeah, there's good women. Seems to be something. There must have been something happening in the universe. Yeah, because all these women were being born who went on and did things. Of Amazing note. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably um, in Summers Town in London, and apparently today, just behind where the Google Building is. Oh, in London. I know where that is. So both of her parents were very famous thinkers. Her dad was William Godwin and he was a political philosopher and her mum was Mary Wollstonecraft, as you have mentioned earlier. Um, Mary Wollstonecraft was an early feminist activist who was Mm. best known for the radical idea that if women were able to be educated, they might be able to contribute more to society and not just be treated as ornaments to their husbands. Mm-hmm. And what year was Mary Shelley born? Mary Shelley? Yeah, yeah. she was 1797. Guess what year um, Mary Wollstonecraft wrote A Vindication of the Rights of Women? What year? 1792, five years oh. earlier. Wow. Mm. So uh, when young Mary, so, so there's... Mary Wollstonecraft is the mum and then we've got Mary, young Mary. So when young Mary was born, Mary Wollstonecraft actually died 10 days later. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it it went on to forever haunt um, Mary, young Mary, um, because she felt really responsible. She got that book out then. Yeah, she would. A lot of children would, wouldn't they? Yeah. So Mary was raised by her dad and her dad teaches her to think a lot like he does um, and she spends a lot of her days reading her mother's famous book, The Vindication of the Rights of Women. Mm-hmm. When she was just four, her father remarries another Mary, bloody three Marys in this story. Mary. But Mary, mm-hmm. young Mary, um, doesn't really Mary, get on Mary, with Mary, Mary, hey? um, praise you, shackles, Mary, Mary. Mary, Mary, bloody Mary. Oh, Mary J. Blige. <laughs> Mother Mary. Mother Mary. I know. So Virgin young Mary, Mary doesn't yep. really get on with old Mary, Mary's stepmum. And mm. Mary's stepmum favours her two children from a previous marriage. So Mary feels very left out. Um, she's also quite a sickly child when she was growing up. And um, it really made her feel like a bit of an outsider because she was sick. She had a skin condition, and which was probably eczema at the time. But back then, they didn't really know too much about skin and how the skin worked. Mm. So it, mm. so, so she was kind of, um, everyone thought she had leprosy or something that was a bit yeah. more probably serious than it was. So she felt really yeah. quite yeah. outcast. Um, and as she was growing up, there are a lot of, different writers and intellectuals that would come to the house. Um, Her dad was considered a bit of a rock star and a really progressive thinker. So Mary was exposed to lots of conversations about radical thinking, philosophy and poetry. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, it's said that the children were quite creepy and that Mary was actually described as cadaverous. Um, 
it was they had the whole kind of goth vibe going on. It was very Adam's family situation. And Mary was often. Cadaver is a dead body. Cadaver, yeah. Cadaverous. They look like deathly. Yeah, deathly look of the dead. Yeah. Um, And apparently she learnt how to spell her name by tracing her mother's name on her headstone. And she would spend hours sitting on her mother's grave reading her books. At some point, Mary, uh, young Mary gets sent away to Scotland um, and some reports like the movie Mary Shelley, which I watched starring Elle Fanning. So she's so in the movie she's sent away because of the strained relationship with the stepmom, but mm-hmm. there's also reports that that was possibly due to her skin condition and she needed to get um, a specialist to look at her skin. She returns to London and it's here that she's introduced to a guy by the name of Percy Shelley. He is a super posh um, socialite. He attended all of the posh universities, but he's very anti-establishment and he's actually an atheist, which eventually gets him kicked out of Oxford University. Um, He's he's caught handing pamphlets out about um, being an atheist in front of the church. (laughs) So he's kicked out. He's also a vegetarian, which is very radical for those days. Um, And he's really serious about it almost to the point of veganism. Uh, And he's a massive fan of Mary's dad. Um, He's a bit of a fanboy over Mary's dad. And um, it's because of this he comes to the house and has dinner with Mary's dad and he meets Mary. When Mary and Percy, when their eyes meet, they fall in love. He's 21 and she is 16. 16. Classic history. Yeah, the movie makes it look very romantic and lovely, but she's a child and he's a man, so let's not forget that. And he's already married, so... There's oh, that good. as this well. This is all very standard. Yeah. Um, but he has a very liberal view on marriage and Mary doesn't mind because it's actually very similar to what Mary Wollstonecraft, um, mm. same kind of thoughts on on marriage. Mary's okay. Mary Wollstonecraft, Mary's mum, didn't believe in monogamy and or marriage. Oh. So um, young Mary kind of digs it. She's like, yeah, yeah. cool. So um, their relationship, however, is frowned upon by Mary's dad uh, and in the dead of night, they end up deciding to run away together. Oh. There's a catch, though. They pack their bags, get ready, start running out the door, and Mary's stepsister, Claire, comes running Claire. after them and says, if you're going to go, you've got to take me with you or I'm going to wake up the whole house and let them know that you're going. So um, third wheeling. she third wheels and it, so it's a bit odd. So the three of them um, set off by boat and carriage and they head to France. They get to France and they decide France isn't really for them, so they walk to Switzerland. As you do. Just a nice hike to Switzerland from France. Oh, my God. Because they've heard that Switzerland's a free-thinking country. But they get to Switzerland and they're disappointed and um, the sort of dream is sort of over. They've run out of money. Percy's dad has cut him off. It, they're, they're living in squalor. This whole kind of bohemian lifestyle that they thought they would lead is not happening. So they end up having to kind of tail between their legs, head back to London. Um, is this, can, sorry, can I just ask, is this... Similar, like in the movie, is it is it got getting it right? The yeah, movie, pretty much. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. pretty much. 
so, and it's around this time Mary starts to write um, and during that trip is when she writes her first book and it's kind of like the modern-day travel blog. So she kind of writes about her travels. Um, when they return home, Mary's dad isn't happy and they're basically forced out on their own and they become um, kind of outcasts within London town. Meanwhile, Claire, the half-sister, <laughs> she's secretly been having an affair with Lord Byron. Lord Byron? It's in Lord Byron. Yeah. So Lord, we all know Byron, Lord Byron. Yeah, he's the dad of someone we've done. Mm-hmm. Do you That's remember? Right. Um Ada Lovelace, correct. <laughs> That's the one I was thinking, the numbers lady. Yeah, the um she was the first algorithm, computer algorithm. algorithm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yep, I just couldn't. I always think when I hear Lovelace of Linda Lovelace, it, it, it throws me the Ada Lovelace thing. I was actually thinking of Mary Maria McKee, Mary Mary Mitchell, Maria Mitchell, Maria Mitchell. That's who I was thinking. It was either that one or Ada Lovelace. So right, good. Yeah. It was Ada. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny right. that we've done so many of these episodes now that we're starting to piece together family <gasps> trees, family trees. Wow. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so Claire has an affair with Lord Byron. Um, and, yeah, Lord Byron at the time, he's super-duper famous. He's like Justin Bieber of the 18th century. He is the first poet to ever receive fan mail um, and he literally is super-duper-duper famous. So she Please actually ends up falling pregnant to him as well. Yeah. So she convinces Mary and Percy to go and join her and Lord Byron at his house in Switzerland. Switzerland, yes, yes. So they think, why the heck not? London's not working out for them. Everybody seems to kind of frown upon their relationship. They're not being accepted by Mary's dad. So they're like, yep, let's do it. So the year is 1816. It's one of the coldest years on record. It was actually called the year without summer. And it was brutally cold. They were confined to their house for a really long time, kind of like us. It was like us yesterday. Lockdown, yeah. Just yesterday. And they're super. Same. (laughs) Same. And there's just one cold day and we're like, we know what it's like to be stuck in England for freezing. Oh, it was freezing. To put the air conditioner on. Right? I know. I have to put my socks and my Ugg boots on. Um, yeah, so they're in the house and they're all a bit bored and Lord Byron comes up with um, a game and he says, I'm going to challenge everyone to write a ghost story and he basically makes a competition out of it and he's like, oh. go and have a think, write a ghost story and come back. So all the men that night frantically pen pen to paper and start writing and Mary kind of just sort of sits on it for a couple of weeks and they're all like you know basically having a go at her and saying what do you got you're gonna do anything like you're gonna write anything what and she's like yeah I'm thinking all right just give me some time she's thinking because she has just produced one of the greatest books in history called Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Do you know what the other name for it is? Son of Frankenstein. <laughs> Frankenstein or the modern day Prometheus. Prometheus? Yeah. So that's the full title. What is Prometheus? So Prometheus is an ancient um, god, an ancient titan, and he steals fire from the gods for humanity. And he actually created man out of clay. So is that right? I went into this deep, deep, Frankenstein hole 
And there are so many interesting literary lectures on Frankenstein and just the true underlying kind of meaning of of Frankenstein and where it's come from. And, and if you look at the parallels between Frankenstein and Mary Shelley's life, there are many because Frankenstein is abandoned by his creator. Mary Shelley feels like she's abandoned by her mother when she's born. Um, the, the monster feels very left out and ostracized because, you know, of the way he looks. So did Mary Shelley. Um, yeah. So there's lots of, you know, people have written theses and theses on just what actually is the underlying meaning of, of Frankenstein. So, um, so yeah, so after two weeks, oh, and I've got to say on the same night there was actually um, one of Lord Byron's doctors and I don't have his name, but anyway, on the same night the modern-day vampire is born. So it's the first English-speaking vampire and a lot of reports say that it's modelled on, um, you know, the good-looking kind of char- charismatic vampire and they say yeah. that it's kind of maybe mo- modelled on Lord Byron. Oh, interesting. Mm. So after two weeks, she finishes a novel um, and she tries to get it published. But guess what happens? She's a woman. Isn't sorry, she you're so a woman. No she shops it around. Can write. <laughs> she shops it around and um, nobody takes it. And finally... One publisher agrees that it can be published, but it has to be published anonymously and Percy Mm. Shelley has to write the introduction. So the first edition is published anonymously with Percy's introduction at the start. Mm. So everyone just assumes that Percy wrote it. So um, Mm. she doesn't receive any profits from any any of the book, um, any of the sales. It's honestly a wonder we have not killed more. Like this has been happening for centuries, the frustration. Mm -hmm. And then apparently two years later in the movie they say, you know, it comes up with the whole like what happens at the end. Apparently in the movie it says that her dad had it republished with Mary's name. Um, as yeah. the author two years later, but yeah. um, I couldn't find that in sort of some of the other research. So, I mean, that's a nice thought to think that, that that's Hollywood what happened. That. So yeah. we'll stick with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Mary, like the story of Frankenstein and where that came from is also like, you know, I was talking about the parallels and stuff before. Mary was surrounded by a lot of death. So she lost her mother, obviously. The wife of Percy, um Shelley committed suicide. The her sister, her half sister, committed suicide. She loses three out of her four children, and there's a story that one of her babies um, dies overnight, and she goes to the crib, picks it up, and tries to hold it by the fire and rub it back to life um, to bring to bring it back to life. She's at the time. There's lots of experiments um, going on, and and. And sci- a scientist wasn't even really a word back then, but there were people no. who were trying to conjure up um, bringing 
frogs back to life through energy zaps. So um, in the movie it shows them going to see this kind of weird, like a circus kind of thing, and there's there's yeah. there's a guy on stage and he, there's a frog and he's like, like trying to make the frog come back to life. So there's all these kind of influences that are happening, which is kind of obviously where Frankenstein um, comes from. So um, she, her and Percy kind of stay together. They, their personal life's pretty brutal. She starts to feel that she's quite cursed because so many, so much death around her. And she does end up though having one child, a boy who they name Percy. Oh. They just love her, love to repeat a name I back then. Repeat. I think maybe they just can't remember new names. Yeah. That might be a thing. The old, old, the old, ye oldie days. It's not easy to remember something new. Yeah. Well, it's like in Bali, and how there's only four names, and that's the that yep. the order of yep. the children. Yep. So Percy ends up having an affair with one of Mary's friends, and the friend and Mary are at home one night. Both of their husbands are out at sea, and the they have a accident at sea and both men die so Percy dies perish at sea they perish at sea the bodies wash up on to the beach and they burn the bodies on the beach now the story goes that every part of Percy's body was burnt except for his penis (laughs) his heart and apparently Mary Shelley kept his heart wrapped in a cloth of silk on her desk until the end of time. Ew. Right? That's gross. She dies at 53, so she's still got a lot of time. Oh, okay. She hangs on yeah. to that heart for she's another 20-something years. Um, stinking, stinking up the joint by now. So, so yeah, so at age 53 she dies of um, a brain tumour, what we know today is as a brain tumour. Oh, um, okay. But fun fact She's written another, a few other novels and she was really quite ahead of her time. So the other novel that she's written is called The Last Man and this is a book where there's an apocalypse and what would happen that- if all the men died. Is that what Why the Last Man's based on? Yeah. So, is it? Yeah, so she wrote this book set in the – it takes place – at the end of the 21st century and basically a plague hits the world. The um, world is hotter than it's ever been before. So she's predicting climate change, a plague. England becomes full of refugees. Everyone dies except for one man. Mm. Wow. And that is the story of Mary Shelley. I love her. Who wrote Frankenstein. And I've started listening to Frankenstein on audiobook. And everything I've read and the research I've done, people talking about it, are saying, have said just how it's such a good book. And I've never read it. So. No, I've never read it either. I'm reading it. The only thing I've ever watched of Frankenstein is the Mel Brooks version, which is brilliant. Is that the 1930s one? Oh no, it's 1970s. Right. Okay. Um it's it's comedy. Oh, okay. <laughs> With um Peter Oh my god, it's so brilliant. It's one of the best films ever. I think it's called Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Madeline Kahn and yep. Gene Wilder. But yeah, I'm gonna start reading that. Yeah. I'm read it too. So it's good. Where are you, what are you like, are you into it? I've only listened to the first chapter, I've got to say. Okay. 
but I've yeah. But I've is it easy on, to read? I'm listening to it on audiobook. Yeah, but I mean like the wording and everything. Yeah, is it easy it's actually to read? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean for a ye olde book, it's actually mm, it's actually I mean. pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, it's very misunderstood, I think. She's she there's a lot of sort of lectures that I'd listen to. Um yeah. and you know, the 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 monster was very misunderstood. She didn't intend for the monster to be scary. She wanted the yeah, monster right. to, she wanted people to feel sorry for the monster. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that the monster became scary was because society made him that way. Yeah. Um, and, but in, you know, mm. when we think of Frankenstein, we think of the green monster with the bolts coming mm. out of its head and, you know. Yeah. Um, and I was only like maybe, um, last week years old when I realised that the monster is actually not Frankenstein. The creator's name is Frankenstein. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, le- I remember learning that at school, that, yeah. you know, to call someone a Frankenstein, it's not the monster. Frankenstein creates the monster. Correct. Victor Frankenstein. Yeah, Frankenstein, as they say in The Bride of Frankenstein. A Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein. God, why can't you guys get it right? That was my dad, Frankenstein. <laughs> it's very funny. It's a very funny movie. So that's that's today's ep. That's all, and we've we've got already next week's theme. I mean Chicks in Food. Cullen and Rary Delights. Food. And food. <laughs> Chicks in cooking. Chicks in culinary. Yeah. Chicks. Chicks. Pink chicks. <laughs> Pink papers. So until next week, it's bye um, from me. And it's bye from her. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Bye. bye.